the U. Pre-College Development Academy. Are you ready? Y'all ready for this? The U. Pre-College Development Academy. Welcome to the Pre-College Development Academy, aka the PCDA. I'm Nick Webster, and I'm thrilled to be able to present to you the premier program in the United States that bridges the gap between youth soccer and your next level. In my very coaching career and broadcasting the beautiful game, I've met and spoken with you know, all the major figures of the sport, and many of them have complained about the gap, the gap between high school and college, and the gap between college and the next level, semi-professional and professional. Over the next hour, our PCDA team, and they're all brilliant, trust me, will show you, the you, how it's going to prepare you for the next stage of your soccer career. From the classroom to the pitch, every facet of player development has been reviewed and it's been tested through our unique five-pillar approach known as the ATTPS. Academic, technical, tactical, physical, and social. So let's get straight down to business. And just to make sure you don't go anywhere, there will be quiz questions throughout our time together and a chance to walk off with one of three $200 Capelli coaching packs. But before we get to the quiz, let's meet the gaffer, the head honcho, the supremo, Ryan Hodgson, the founder and CEO of the Pre-College Development Academy. Ryan holds his UEFA B license, a UEFA A candidate, along with numerous United Soccer Coaches diplomas. He's coached at multiple different levels throughout the United States, but before he hung up his boots, he played Division I soccer, so he can officially talk the walk. Ryan, welcome, my son. I appreciate it, Nick. It's good to be here. I uh, appreciate you, uh, you joining us. I'm from sunny L.A. You are looking exceptionally well. So let's get straight down to business because I know there's a ton of people on and they want to know the gap and why has it stunted development of players using your own experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, just first of all, again, thank you for, for joining us and thanks for everybody that's tuning in from all around uh, the country and the world, really. Um, we've got a lot of major problems with developing players at the next level. You ask me, Nick, what my personal story is, similar to thousands of current current players, past players that are embarking on their future journeys of trying to make it at the next level. If I look in hindsight, when I came from England, I was a good player. Wasn't professional material, but I was a good player. I had potential, but I needed a program that was available to me to develop and nurture my talent, but it just, it wasn't there. And that's the driving force behind the whole mission behind the, the Pre-College Development Academy. So how does the PDCA, how does it bridge the gap? Well, I mean, multiple facets. We've engineered a five-pillar approach. We've got the academics, the technique, the tactics, the physical, psychological, and social well-being, or also known as the ATTPS approach. So when we look at developing the holistic student-athlete in our program, we're really developing and honing in on all key facets of that before they go to their next level. And just as the statistics show, out of 500,000 high school players, only 5.6 of them will play, 5.6% of them will play varsity college soccer. 25% of them will quit before they finish their freshman year. So why are these kids quitting? Well, you look at 17, 18-year-olds that are graduating high school they're just simply not ready to play at the next level. They're going in and competing against 22, 23-year-old grown men. And so when we look at a 17 or 18-year-old that maybe hasn't finished physically developing, they need more time to develop. We've engineered not only the ATTPS approach, we've managed to create a six-year eligibility program for high school graduates. So... If you follow me through this, I'll try and paint a good picture for you. I'll do my best anyway. Right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You, are, you are Picasso, Ryan. Okay. Well, yeah, right. So 
if you look at the time frame of when a when a high school student graduates high school and goes to college, you've got five to play for, five years of eligibility to play for. If they come to the pre-college development academy, they enroll in part-time college but play full-time football for us, which, let me be clear, is not collegiate soccer, right, which is important to understand because we want to preserve eligibility. We want to preserve amateur status. So when a student graduates high school and takes part-time college with us but plays full-time football, they've burned their gap year. If they stay with us a second year and take full-time college but play full-time with us, they've burned their red shirt. So with two years of the pre-college development academy, they've played 10 months out of the year for two years, more so foregoing the red shirt year in a college where if you graduate high school, Nick, in May, traditionally your youth soccer season or your youth soccer career is done around about that time. You would then go to the summer, go to your four-year college in August, redshirt, and then the following August is when you would play your first competitive game. That's 15, 16 months. In that period, they could have played 36-plus games with us, trained every single day for 10 months. Uh, the, the, the proof will be in the pudding at the end of it, but we're going we're gonna to fully support the college game. We're going to develop and ready – and. For all the college coaches watching, imagine, imagine this, Nick. You get a 20-year-old freshman coming into your team from America. And by the way, we're already recruiting 20-year-old freshmen from international countries, right? The top four players that went into the draft or got drafted uh, the other day were all internationals. Where are the Americans? And so we need to start focusing on the development of homegrown players to develop professionals this program is not designed to develop prof uh, professionals. It's designed to support the collegiate system. Uh, so just, just one last thing, mate. Sorry. When you finish your two years with us, with the Pre-College Development Academy, you're pretty much done with your general ed classes. So you go to a four-year school. You'd have two years to finish your undergrad degree. But then the, the miraculous part about this is you still have two years of eligibility left. So college coaches can have post-grad players playing on their rosters for an additional two years. So we've, we've engineered a, a system where we're giving kids or, or young men and women, future women, six years of eligibility after high school. Hey, you're not only Picasso, you're Einstein with the math. Fantastic job, uh, Ryan. I'd like now to introduce uh, Christian DeVries. He's the man responsible for this epic presentation tonight. And he's a highly respected coach with massive amounts of experience. Christian, welcome. And my first question to you are, what are some of the things that will be provided and put into place for the overall psychosocial health and well-being of the players within the AOS Athlete of Significance program? Well, once again, thank you, Nick, for just number one, hosting this for us and being able to share with you what we're trying to do, that is to change the landscape of our young athletes and help develop them to the next level and what that next level is. Now, for 25 years of, of coaching this game, the one thing that I know to be true is it always comes down to the foundation and the foundation is a psychosocial piece. How well are our athletes being developed psychologically and socially for them to be successful. The stronger that foundation, the easier it is to, to develop the technical and the tactical aspects of the game. We can talk to some of the best coaches out there. I study the top coaches. And what I've learned through all this process is that we have to start to instill significance in our athletes. And for me, significance is it's not about your talent. It's about the value you bring to the program and really being able to appreciate that value and know that that value matters and then how do you portray that as you step onto the field? So part of what we're trying to do here at Pre-CDA is develop you for life. Sports are not just a game that are played on the field. They are the tools that foster your cognitive development and they are the pieces that reveal your character and they bring our communities together. So what we have done in terms of bringing something together from a full program is that our Athlete of Significance program that we have developed to develop the significance in our athletes and coach them beyond the field 
is going to be focusing on their leadership. How do we develop those essential leadership skills that coaches desire? You're coming in as a young 18, 19 year old. We want to develop those skills that the college coach wants that is essential for you to be successful. We have to focus on the sports psychology. We have to develop and train your mind to be able to perform at a peak performance at the next level and train at that level every single time you step on the field. We're going to give you mentors that are going to guide you on your journey and be there to that have been experienced in what they're doing. And they're going to help you understand what it means to get to the next level because they've been there. We're excited about our assessments. And, you know, we can talk about assessments that happen on the field. We all know those assessments. I'm talking about the assessments that are happening off the field. What drives your personality? What drives your learning style? We want to understand those. We need to have we have tools to help you understand where you are right now to move you into the next level. Obviously, we do want to help you get to the next level, whether it's going on to maybe a, the UK, maybe it's a professional track, or it is going on to that, that being that athlete that Ryan was talking about, that 20-year-old that is going to be able to now step on the field and be able to compete at the high level. Well, we have to understand the roadmap to get you there. And more importantly, how to show your significance and your value to that college coach that is going to want you. And finally, communication. I've been studying communication ever since I was in college. And the one thing I know to be true is that everybody communicates, but few connect. And we need to teach these young men how to connect, how to understand that their communication matters, because when they can up-level their communication, they can effectively achieve things at the next level. Well, thanks, Christian. You know, mental performance and mindset are huge. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a horrible name drop here, but I did have a chance to sit down with a, a certain Cristiano Ronaldo uh, back in my Fox days. And he put down a lot of his success to what he did, the training he did up there, not down there at his feet. So that really goes to show that the, the mental side of the game is just so important in development. And the AOS component with the PCDA is just going to take it next level. Thanks, Christian. So next up, we got Peter Bunting, someone I uh, I used to knock around with uh, about 26 years ago, back in my days in Florida. He is the new head coach of the PCDA in Georgia. He's got 45 plus years of experience, which means he's nearly as old as me. He's seen it all. He's got multiple titles as a high school player. He's got professional experience in the pros. And he was a director of coaching at two of the biggest clubs in, in America the Colorado Rush, and West Coast FC. Let's delve deeper into the different areas of development. Knowing understanding that our son's development as a player has much to do with the level of competitive matches that are on the schedule. And most importantly, and this is one that all parents want to know, how much time our players get during those opportunities. Does this program, does it operate like a professional collegiate environment where he has to earn his time? Or is it guaranteed with your program? Pete, this is a tough one. Yeah, it's it. always the one that everyone's most concerned about, right? So, yeah, it is actually great to reconnect with you, Nick, when we were first getting our start out in the early <clears throat> 90s. But, um, yeah, you know, and the, the short answer is, of course, it's going to be. That's the whole point of what we're doing. And I think if you look at the collective experience of staff, not just in terms of what we've done as coaches once we moved on from players, we all made those jumps and had to figure out what it took to get to those next levels, high school to college, college to semi-pro, semi-pro to pro, um, and then doing the same thing in the coaching ranks. It's not easy in the coaching game. It's very competitive, and you have to continually train and develop yourself mentally, physically, uh, tactically, all the necessary components um, that allow us to now understand and be very relatable to the players as they come in. Um, there is the, the guarantee that you will develop. There is the guarantee that you are going to grow and we will make the personal guarantee that you absolutely 100% will be a better player leaving the PCDA than when you were when you showed up. Um, as far as playing time is concerned, we are putting together a full professional schedule. I mean, you're talking about 10 months worth of opportunities for yourself um, as a player in the matches that we're going to be setting up. I mean, we've been on the phone talking to everyone in the area regionally that we know. Um, we're looking at USL teams. We're looking at um, DA teams. We're looking at every possible opportunity to set up the most competitive calendar and schedule. And that's really going to be up to the players because we all know it's, it's earned. It's not given, right? Um, what you've done before gets you in the door, but what you do once you're there is what's going to get you on the pitch. Um, and we're going to make sure that every kid and every player is going to have the opportunity to prove themselves and get those minutes. And 
pretty probably uh, trusted that if you're going to have a 25 to 30 max, uh, 36 match schedule, there's going to be opportunity to get plenty of minutes on the pitch and that on the match day. Um, and we'll make sure of it. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, going 24 seven is, is next to impossible. And, you know, as coaches, we know when there's times to push and there's certainly times to pause and, and bring in rest. So explain to me how breaks and rest are built into the program. When will they be for how long? And uh, just, you know, how important are they? Yeah, absolutely. As you can see here, we have what's called a day in the life. Um, and we know and understand the value and the importance of downtime. You know, when you're working on a regular training schedule, match schedule um, with travel and whatnot, there needs to be those opportunities for the players to unwind, put their feet up a little bit. Obviously, we also understand that they're making a very big transition in life as well. So we also have everything we need for them and provide them when it comes to uh, substantial time for breaks to be with family. Uh, my wife and I, we're already planning on having the boys over as much as possible so they can get a couple good home cooked meals here and there and get that kind of family experience. Um, they will have opportunities throughout the week to get that rest and recovery phase our sports to science department, everyone that we're going to be uh, partnering with throughout the, the experience for those boys will know when maybe they might be loaded too much. We're going to have everything that we need from uh, certain companies that we're partnering with so we can really make sure we're not overloading them. They're getting exactly what they need. So we can say, hey, right now you need to pull back a little bit. We want to make sure no soft tissue things are happening in those uh from those perspectives. So yeah, we're definitely prepared and lined up and, and the boys will get everything that they need from a rest and recovery perspective as well. Ryan, bringing you in, obviously you played D1 soccer. Touch on the comparisons of weekly college soccer and the PCDA schedule and the hunger this will create from game to game, injuries, recoveries, etc. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you, you bring up a good point. So, you know, I sit here today and I tell you that I am the failed college soccer player. I played two years collegiately. When I came here, I was a good player. But the two years of lost development hindered my professional career. Right. So you come from England where it's a full European length season to a condensed collegiate season over here. And this is not an attack at college soccer or the coaches. This is a system that is designed to prohibit development. Right. The college soccer season is a 10 week season. There's teams in uh, Division One that the first competitive game was August 30th of last year. The last competitive game before the playoffs was October 30th. Then they had a week break before the first round of the playoffs and they lost 4-0. <laughs> so I'm not a mathematician like you claim I am or Picasso, Nick, but I think that's about nine weeks of a college season. The first competitive game from August to October and one week into November. If you look at the countries that are developing players, they're not restricted by bureaucracy and red tape, Right. They are free to develop. If a coach wants to take a player up, Jose Mourinho, who you interviewed, Nick, got in trouble by the Premier League for taking uh, – who was it? It was, it was Sediment Fielder. Yeah, was that? Or something. Uh, took him down the park, didn't he? <laughs> this is the Premier League. This is home as Jose Mourinho taking a Premier League player to a park just to get some touches in. Yeah. But the system in America prohibits that, especially in the spring season. And again – I don't know one college soccer coach that is thankful the season is over and, and thankful for a nine-month break before the season starts again. They want to coach. So back to your question. The pre-college development academy is engineered in a way where we, we embrace development. You've got a weakness. We'll develop your weakness. If you have a weakness, you're not going to be sitting on the bench and trying to develop in practice the following week. We want – if your weakness is exposed – we want to be able for you to develop it. And what I mean by that is if you look at the college soccer season, right, let's look at Friday, Sunday schedule. You play Friday, you're resting, you're back in with a team on Saturday, you're playing Sunday. So Saturday, you can't be training hard, it's recovery. Sunday's game is traditionally the afternoon on a Sunday because you've got to get back to campus or your opposition has to get back to campus. NCAA says you, have, you must have a day off. So if you play Friday, Sunday, I would schedule Monday for my guys to have the day off back in class, right? Tuesday, we're back on the pitch. We can't be at 100% because we've just come off a weekend of two games. So Wednesday is your only logical day to be at 100%. Thursday, you can't be at 100%. Why? Because you've got a game on Friday. 
and you repeat. So you tell me where we're going to take 17 and 18 and 19-year-old kids and develop them in this model. This is not an attack on the college soccer coaches. We want to support them. We want to provide them. We want to be a – we will. We don't want to. We will be a player factory. We will be bringing in players from colleges that don't want to burn their eligibility, right? College Development Academy wanting in Georgia, will you take Johnny for two years, develop him, and then we'll take him back. And we can watch how he can develop. And so you look at that system versus or, or blending it with our system, it's a complete complement. It's not a com it's not a, a competitor, it's a complement to the current system. And I think a lot of colleges and a lot of clubs will embrace this system. Well, it really is something when you can't take your kids down the park because it's against the rules. Uh, we're going to move on. And, but before we get to our next expert, like I promised, it's quiz time and a chance to win a $200 Capelli coaching pack. Come on, give me a drum roll. Now, this is a real easy question, right? Don't answer it, Brian. Yeah. In what minute did Landon Donovan score versus Algeria in World Cup? 2010. Very good. Put Very your answers in the chat box. Put your answers <laughs> in the chat box. Christian, I remember the celebration. One out of the hat. Okay, we've got a special, 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 special person right now. I'd like to introduce Steve Richards. Steve has spent his entire life in love, in love with the game of soccer, and there isn't much he hasn't seen. He's been the state director of Washington State and multiple stints in the pros. Steve, moving into a different level in your soccer career, it demands so much preparation and different preparation. And I've, I've seen it. It leads to struggles adapting to the next level. What does the PCDA offer in this regard? And why is it different to anything else out there? Steve, are you there? You've got to turn your mic on, Steve. That's too technical, man. Yeah, what I've seen, you know, obviously with us back home, as an apprentice back home, you learn your trade. You get put in an environment to learn your trade. Uh, here in the States, you know, you go from high school that some of the some of the practices aren't really intense enough, right, into a college environment. You know, so now you're sitting in a college environment, having to learn your trade on the fly to get noticed and actually get into the starting 13 and you what? And as we all know, most squads carry 33 players on a roster. So, you know, you, you haven't got that development aspect and the, the coach has to now create the environment to bring you along socially and physically to, to compete in that environment. So as coaches, we know that the environment and culture that we create within the PCDA, the group, the team, and the individual, along with the relationships, which are so important when it comes to development. How do you and the team plan to create an environment and culture that is second to none? Well, we want a player that's got the passion for the game. You know, love the game, eat, sleep, drink the game, right? We create that environment by the intense sessions against good players, good coaching, and hopefully, you know, the, the players grasp on that and they trust the coach. And we create that trust in our players that want the ball. We want players that want to go and play. We want players that, that are game, game changers. We don't want players that are just, you know, there for the sake of it and just go along with the floor. So we create the environment for the competition. And that way the players end up loving it because now they're at a high caliber in training, high caliber in games, and he creates a, a, an individual on and off the field. Talk to me a little bit more of, of, about this trust component, because uh, you know, in, in our experiences, we know that as a player, you have to trust the coach. And the coach, he has to trust his players. Is, is, there, is, is there some special techniques you're going to use to... to really build that trust and, and, and make it happen? Or does, is, is it just going to, like, happen organically over time? Well, with anything, you know, you play growing up, you, you take a little bit from every coach and then you apply it to your style of, of, uh, of play, you know, and the experienced coaching staff you put around the program 
has done that where their sessions, their application to the sessions, their qualifications to the sessions, you know, relates to the player that, that can actually move on. So we've all had these coaches that we've gone, I hate that guy, man. He, he just like pushes me and pushes me, right? But we see a talent in a certain player and we want to pull as much talent out of that player and that player ends up loving us at the end of the day, even though we was, we was hard on you know? So creating that environment is, is really important, which creates the trust for the coach. Steve, I'm sure all your players have loved you to death. I mean, who, who couldn't love you? But Nick, can I jump in there? <laughs> Nick, can I jump in there? Of course. Yeah? yeah. Um, just touching on, the, you know, what Steve mentioned with the development and, and, you know, we're looking for, you know, players that want to learn, right? Let's look at the curriculum that we've developed. Preparing. Remember, we don't have a preconceived notion of what, a player's next level is. They have, they have the information. They they know where they want to go. Do they want to go to a four-year college in America, Division One, Two, Three, NEIA, right? <clears throat> Do they want to go professional? Do they want to go to England and play with one of our professional football academy partners while getting a three-year bachelor's degree? Whatever that level is, how we prepare them is through. Let's look at our uh, football curriculum, right? We we've, we've developed three trimesters. The first trimester is a four-back system, 4-4-2 four, four, and a 4-3-3. Three, three. We will not, will not move from that. Regardless of the result, if we're up one, we're down one, we might change the style, right? We might change the, 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 the press or whatever it might be, but we're not going to adjust the whole system just to get out of the game to win it. The second trimester is a three-back system. The third trimester is a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-5-1. Two very different systems, but the same numbers, right? With our technology partners, our, our recruits, our graduates will be able, at the end of 10 months, 11 months, two years with us, they, will be, they won't be able to hide because statistics don't lie from a technology perspective. But these graduates of the Pre-College Development Academy will be able to pick up the phone and call, call uh, Bobby Muse at Wake Forest or Jeremy at Stanford and say, Coach, I know you play a 4-3-3. I've just finished my, my season with a 4-3-3. This is my statistics. I'm a number 10. Here's my heat map. This is my acceleration. You get the idea. Those college coaches at their next level now have tangible data and, more importantly, an educated conversation with a kid that truly understands the system that they're going into because that 10-week season that I mentioned, you can't teach a style or a system of playing 10 weeks. You cannot. That's why these kids might be technically good enough to come in, but they need more time to develop. I get off my podium. I, I go on a tangent. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I completely agree with you, and I think you bring up another great point about data. You know, uh, as, as much as we're purists, data is becoming a more and more important component of the sport. And if you can... Like you say, if you can present to these D1 coaches your your you know performance data over the course and the, and uh, it's not over the course of ten weeks, it's over the course of ten months, it's over Correct. the course of two years. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. All right. So, listen, this one's very special for me because it's not often I get to introduce an England goalkeeper. Robbie Carroll. That's right. Robbie Carroll. He represented England colleges. And unlike the full national team, he actually won a penalty shootout against the Italians on their own turf. And I believe actually he might have saved one, although it, it probably uh, who, who was the one that missed the uh, the penalty? Uh, <laughs> Baggio, right? It must have been Baggio took one against him. Anyway, this led to him being discovered for a collegiate career in America with Tyler Junior College. Robbie, question for you. If the PCDA was around when you needed it, how would it have changed your soccer and academic career? Um, in all honesty, I think I'll start with the academics. I'd have done a lot better uh, academically uh, because I'd have had a little bit more time to grow up um, with a more spaced out season rather than, you know, uh, training Monday, Tuesday, travel Wednesday, miss class Wednesday, get back late Wednesday night, 
um, you know, um, go to class Thursday morning, uh, train Friday, on the road again Saturday or Sunday. There's not much time for study. There's not much time for, uh, you know, even just the social life, relax away from the game or away from uh, away from school. So, um, in all honesty, you know, it, it had given me more opportunity to adapt to the American uh, education system. Um, Soccer-wise, honestly, I think I'd still probably be playing pro um, somewhere. Maybe not top level, but I'd still be playing uh, pro. Um, basically, my whole career, I was plagued with injuries uh, that stemmed from um, injuries that I picked up and never really shook off during my freshman and sophomore year. Um, when I was in Norway, picked up to play in Norway, uh, the head coach, uh, he turned around and said, uh, you know, we can see you've got it, but you really, really need to, uh, we need to get you a lot of reps. Um, and, you know, I mean, pre-season, high level in, in Norway. And, you know, I haven't touched the ball since October and pre-season started in March. So I've got lads who have been playing winter season and the other goalkeepers playing winter season in Norway. And there's me flapping up, up shots and, you know, blowing and struggling, struggling to keep up. So, you know, I think... Um, Fitness was there, but hand-eye reps, uh, you know, even even my uh, distribution was slower, and that was something I absolutely prided myself on when I was playing. Um, you know, I think that's basically where we were. Can you describe how the college experience is different in terms of soccer with England and the United States and how the pre-college development academy bridges that gap? Yeah, um, I guess we'll talk about um, one of personal experience again. You know, I played uh, development uh, football development centre uh, at my local college. Uh, we trained several times a week there, and then uh, played on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, you know, and that was around our uh, what, the BTEC or whatever we were studying. Um, you know, and some of my classmates they they played for a semi pro team. Uh, I did as well on a Saturday just to uh, you know pick up extra reps, basically uh, get more more opportunities and uh, lots of touches going. And uh, to be fair, just to uh, echo what Podgy and, and uh, Pete and Steve have been saying, you know, we, we're we all about that. Lots of touches, lots of reps and lots of opportunities to play, which in the end will help our student athletes or our athletes um, bridge that gap. And, uh, you know, we can then work on developing them to their next level. Fantastic, Robbie. Uh, great, great insight. Well, we've got to say 2020 is a year we're never likely to forget as the entire planet was turned upside down by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, sports and education have also been massively impacted throughout the country. I mean, my, my kid, he hasn't, had a, he hasn't had a proper game since last March. But thankfully at the PCDA, we have our own version of Anthony Fauci, Hank Lewis, to say that Hank has been there, done that, and has the T-shirt to prove it, that's a massive understatement. Hank has worked and been massively successful at every level of the game, including internationally with the Bahamas in World Cup qualifying. Hank, welcome to the webinar. COVID-19 has dominated discussions. How is the PCDA going to manage COVID-19 and how are we prepared? Hey, what's up, Nick? Well, first of all, I'd say I'm not a doctor, but I play one online. Um, uh, one, I want to thank you for doing this. And so, yeah, let's talk about that a bit. Obviously, as you know from that quote from Dr. Fauci a while back, COVID makes the rules. But that doesn't mean we stop working for your reps and what you want to do to be prepared. Um, so the way that we've prepared for COVID to PCBA comes from some of my experience. I left college soccer as head coach of Metropolitan State University of Denver. The reason why I bring that up is our program is pretty unique among college programs. Every one of our players lives in their own apartment in Denver. They don't live in a dormitory. So if you can imagine, um, this past year, we recruited 16 players. And each one of those players are coming from different places, from Spain, from Italy, from Uzbekistan, Japan, Germany, Arizona, hotbed parts of the country. So the first thing we did when we got shut down March 12th and we knew we had our guys about to go to spring break, and we knew we were bringing in guys, we set up what we called a pre-arrival tracking system. So basically every guy told us where they were going, who they were going to be with, um, and what they were doing, and then we could advise. If they didn't remember all the details, we could say, okay, well, you're going out of state, so when you come back, 
here are the, the um, standards for the states you're in. As it became time for them to come to campus, and now I'll relate this to PCDA. So if you were going to be coming to Arizona, where I'm going to be the head coach, we would set up first a pre-arrival tracking. Where are you coming from? Uh, have you all those questions you're used to being asked? But next, we would set you up in a COVID cohort group. So even though you may be living, you might arrange to live with a certain set of guys. As you're arriving, you would arrive in quarantine with a group at a certain set time. So we would look at how arrivals are working. We'd track you. You'd be living with those guys. And we'd make sure you were obviously being compliant. And as you became uh, viable through that system, we would then transition into a COVID cohort training group. And based on your local area, whether we had limitations on training, if it was 10 guys, we would train with 10. If we had the whole team, we would train like that. Or if we had to scale it, you might train with eight guys at a time in one core group, and then we'd move on to another. Along with that tracking, we would then set up testing. So if we needed to set up testing every week or every other week based on whatever the local authorities um, wanted us to do, we would do it based on that. The last part goes in line with some of the things we talked about earlier, wellness tracking, just in general. We're concerned with your health in general. Of course, we want to make sure you're COVID compliant, but what's your mental state? How are you sleeping? What is your weight? What is your water weight? All those things that are important for an athlete become a part of it. So we see PCDA, we want to treat you like the environment you'd be going into, a pro environment or a high-level college environment. So you're already, in a way, going in with those best practices as an athlete, taking care of yourself. It just so happens that we're doing some of that through COVID. Uh, I've got to tell you, Hank, Fauci needs to be worried because if you were in charge, COVID would be finished in this country. I'm telling you. <laughs> Look, I know many kids, for many kids, soccer is, is it's their number one, it's their number one sport. And school sometimes takes a back seat, especially coming out of high school, where they've been in that educational setting for nearly all their lives. So what do you say to uh, a player and their parents who don't necessarily want to jump on the academics of the PCDA? It's a great question. I forgot to mention one more thing I wanted to brag about. At Metro, we were the only team through the fall that had no cases. So I oh. just wanted to say that one of the things we're very proud of is we set up a system that then, so I think that's worth mentioning. You come to PCDA, we're going to make sure we do as much as we can for that. But on to your example. Um, there I would use a bit of my personal experience to kind of get to that. So as we're coming on, come, some of this comes as a thanks. It's great to have you on, Nick Webster, because you have helped to produce a national appreciation for soccer in America. I'm an American who can remember when Allo Bundesliga would come on. We're talking, remember, some of you guys might be old enough to remember. Toby that. Charles. Toby Charles. Yeah. Right. So it's me as a kid in Seattle, you know, having watched the Sounders in the Kingdom. And the only soccer on TV would be a 90-minute game reduced to 60 minutes. So I'm saying that to connect up to me being a kid who's excited about college soccer coming out of a very high-powered academic school. As a young kid, my parents, it was always clear, you're going to college, you're going like this, four years, boom, 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 you're out. And somehow you fit in all the other stuff. One of the things that's exciting about that is families plan. They put down savings plans. They plan. They chart. But by the time you get to 10th grade, you may have some other interests. And what I think we're seeing now, this gap year experience, everyone's having one, but more kids in, a, in another era were affluent today to say, maybe I want to go see something else before I go to college. Maybe I want to just get more physical. For me, I went to college as a very athletic goalkeeper, but I didn't have the reps to show me technically what I needed. So I didn't have a great college experience because of that. I ended up playing out of the country later on and reached the level I needed to, but I had to get those reps in. So I'm saying all that to say, at PCDA, you have a choice and a pathway. You can decide, hey, I'm going to go to college in a year, or I want to take what Haji's talking about, and I would like to have my educational experience in Europe um, and do my reps there. Or you might say, I do want to be a pro, so I really want to focus on this. So part of it is it's your choice. But let me give you a couple of ways of thinking about this. If you were a science genius and you created a science project in junior high school and you got a National Science Foundation Award to go for a gap year to be at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California, that'd be awesome. No one would say, no, don't go to Stanford. They'd say, yeah, go do that. Because when you're there, they may say, you're such a genius, we're keeping you on. 
great. But when you're done with that, you wouldn't stop and go, I'm a genius. I went to JPL and walk around. You would still want to continue your education. So my point in that is, as a soccer player, let's say you're a baller. Great. You come to us. You get those reps in. You go to England. That's one experience. And to use Steve Richards' term, like an apprentice, getting in those reps. But we would still encourage you to think about a college, I'm sorry, a learning experience. So if you say college isn't for me, okay, maybe we set you up with coaching badges and coaching licenses. So you're gaining that education. If you're interested in some college, but maybe not all college, maybe we encourage you to go to a few community college um, credits. That way, at least you're doing a little bit of something. But we would encourage you to think about learning something always. Um, Andres Iniesta, when he was scoring goals for fun and winning World Cup winning goals, was still getting a college degree. Jens Lehmann was still reading two books a week when he was playing at Arsenal. So what we want are guys that are well-rounded. So you may not want to go to college. My last closing out point would be you still need to invest in learning. So whether you invest money towards learning, invest time, or invest your focus, the average pro career, let's say you make it all the way, is three years. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? You still need to be thinking about learning. Or let's say you're not sure. Having that learning is still good because if you want to be a big-time college baller, the next question college coaches, after they see how well you play, is they ask what your grades are. So you still want to think about that. So we will encourage you, but if you say, I'd rather go this route, we will still encourage a learning pathway, regardless of what you do. Well, thanks, Hank. That's some absolutely fantastic information. And, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly, you know, and, and that certainly goes back to some of the, the stories we've heard in England. And it's very few players in the, in the premiership that have degrees, but the ones that do are certainly set up for the next stage of their careers once they finish with soccer. Okay, so next up, we've got a special guest who has unique insights and will hopefully broaden your horizons and stir the imagination of what the PCDA can do. But before we get there, I told you we were going to do some quizzes and a chance to win a $200 Capelli coaching pack. This question is a nice, easy one for you. Put it in the chat box. Who is the all-time cap leader for the U.S. women's team? Yeah, I can hear those keyboards clicking on the Googler. Hey, winners will be announced at the end of the webinar, so make sure you stick around. Okay, next up, we've got Kevin Doyle. Kevin is the assistant coach at the Air Force Academy. Kevin, welcome to the show. Can you give us the benefits in participating in the pre-college academy? Well, actually, Kevin, yeah. is Kevin with us? Kevin is not with us, Nick. In his started. Yeah, See, yeah. You've thrown up a graphic. You've done. You've done me up like a kipper. I've got to put my right. Back. Yeah. So, in his absence, he uh, he sent a quote on oh. uh, the value of the pre-college development academy. Okay. So, you go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan, because you, you don't you don't need glasses like me. Yeah. Well, I actually actually I do, but I'll, I'll I'll do my best. But he just reiterates everything that we've speaking about from from the academics, the physical development, the social development, right? So most freshmen aren't prepared to play matches for a top college program. The college game is significantly different compared to club and high school soccer. There is a significant learning curve once they arrive on campus. What I was talking about, the learning curve, living on your own, moving out, figuring out your schedule. You think about the amount of hours, Nick, it takes to be a successful student athlete, the average human works 40, 50 hours a week in a full-time job. A student athlete, we're looking at 60, 70, 80 hours a week, right? Academically, the post-grad time will be put, will put the student in a position to either improve upon subjects that they may have been uh, come straight out of high school or collect transferable credits, which will count towards a university degree. It's also important to understand what Hank was touching upon with the academics, the value of taking one or two years. If I enroll in a university in the U.S. In a four year, and, and, and I declare my major, and two years later, I'm two years into my degree and I change my major, it could be a $40,000 mistake. Our athletes within the PCDA, they, they can enroll in a community college. And let's just say, Nick, you, you want to come to our, our development academy and you want to take you know, you're curious about sports or business. Let's just use those two career fields, right? 
rather than declaring your major immediately, you can take a business class and a sports class. And at the end of the year, you're thankful. Thank the Lord I took business because I really can't stand it. I want to go to sports or, or vice versa. And I think that's, that's the value that Kevin is showing with a program like this. Well, great quote, Kevin, and shame you're not here. I guess for, for parents and players, you know, one of the big mysteries of the collegiate process is how do I get scouted? Well, wonder no more. We are going to welcome Aaron Champagny. I hope I pronounced that right, Aaron. He's a former head coach at Hastings College and a national champion. Aaron, how would the PCDA have been a better pathway for many of the players you have recruited or coached? Thanks again for having me, guys. I'm enjoying the discussion. It's pretty good stuff. Um, you know, I think this pathway allows for a lot of more developed recruitment, to be honest. I mean, I think I always stressed when I was at, you know, Hastings and St. Thomas and some of my other schools, I always wanted to try to find the best American talent I could. But realistically, I knew that if I was going to compete at a national level, I also had to have international talent. And, and I think with the, the Americans, a lot of times, they haven't had that time to develop the tactical knowledge or they haven't been able to fine tune some of their, their technique. And this gives them the opportunity to go and play at a high level for 10 months a year and, and get game experience where they have to, have to make decisions on the fly. They have to get up to the game speed in the next level. Um, so they're able to develop those things. So as a, as a college coach, when I was, Selfishly, it would allow me to bring in kids that are, are more mature because they're not 17. They're maybe 19 or 20. They're physically more capable of playing at that level because they're competing against guys that are 22, 23 years old that have played at a high level overseas. They've tactically learned more about the systems and they're going to be more flexible to be able to play in multiple systems and not just one. Um, you know, so it allows us to bring in players that are that are more suited to be able to contribute right away instead of me putting them on my reserve team for two years and maybe not getting as much hands-on coaching from my top staff. And, and then by the time they're a junior, they're able to come into the first team. You know, it gives them a chance to really compete right away. Um, not, not to mention the academic side of things. You know, realistically, if I'm, if I'm being honest, most of my American recruits were not as good as students and not as ready academically as my English and German and Norwegian and Scandinavian recruits, but just because of you can be lazier sometimes in the American school system and get through. Um, so it allows for all those things. So as a coach, I don't have to babysit them as much because they're more well-prepared. They come in and they can contribute right away. And in a program that's trying to compete for a national championship, um, it, it allows them to come in and, and have that ability. I was fortunate at Hastings. I started five Americans when we won the national title and that is unheard of in the NAI. Um, you know, so I always pride myself on that. And if I ever get back into college coaching, I'll, I'll continue to do that where I try to bring in those American players when I can. Um, so I think that's one of the, the biggest things that I see is it's a more refined system to get kids ready to, to play at a higher level. And, and hopefully that then propels them if their goals are to go on to a professional level, they're more, they're more suited for it. They've been able to physically develop and mentally develop and tactically develop. So when they get their chance at the next level, they, they can take advantage of it. Ryan, does that jive with your experiences as a head coach? Oh, turn your mic on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are the boss. And when, you know, pre-meeting, you're telling us, well, you're on microphones. I just follow the rules, right? So, I mean, so you, you hit the nail on the when I, when, when I call your name. Well, <laughs> <laughs> He hit the nail on the head, right, when it when it comes to, you know, everything he said. And, you know, with starting, you know, five Americans, you know, trying to develop the, the homegrown talent on that roster and trying to compete with, uh, you know, the international. I will say this, the problem with, you know, that I developed with Challenger Sports and study and play abroad, we send American uh, students to England to play in a 10-month season with professional academies. They are really... They, it's difficult for them to, to, to wrap their head around the fact that in England or Europe, it's more independent study-led versus you're micromanaged in a U.S. system, pop-up quizzes, grades, semesters, trimesters, quarters, right? It's, it's very different. In England or Europe, you're given your coursework. You take your exams at the end of the year. You pass your exams. You go to year two. You pass your exams in year two. You go to year three, and then you graduate your bachelor's degree in three years. 
So 100%. And I'd love to see you within our program one day, Charles, because I think you'd be a huge asset. I'd love to be able to, guys. Well, our last special guest comes to us from Colorado State University, Pueblo, where he is the head men's coach. Oliver Twelve Trees, you've been waiting patiently. You have firsthand experience working with the 18-year-old American freshman and the experienced 20-year-old international player who has, you know, played possibly all over the world. Oliver, welcome to the PCDA webinar. Can you tell me how much difference two more additional years helps in the development of players? Yeah, certainly. Thanks for having us on. You know, it's a, it's a massive recruiting advantage. We're all looking for for that advantage in the college game. You know, it's a, it's a tough game, a lot of competition. Every team's good. So we're always looking for an recruiting advantage. And and this is going to provide that for us to get some some top American players. You know, every administration wants their soccer coach to bring in the majority of American players. But as Aaron says, it's difficult to get those top level guys that can compete right away because, as you guys have talked about before, they're not ready. You know, we want guys that are ready to come in and play. And that's why we'll go all over the world to find players that have played men's football, right? That have played in the men's game, that have competed at a, a tough physical level so that then are ready for that college game. So having this program for the guys to have quality coaching, um, a quality experience, so they're ready academically, they're ready socially, and they're ready to play, they're ready to ball out and uh, and show what they can do. And that would be a, a big advantage for all college coaches across the country to be able to call Ryan and his staff and be able to, to connect with some top players that have that experience and that are ready to go. Fantastic stuff, Oliver. Well, before I welcome all the team back, it's the last quiz question and a chance to win that $200 Capelli coaching pack. So here's a good one for you. I, I threw it out to the team earlier. They all got it wrong. What is the furthest the United States has ever progressed in the Men's World Cup? And when did it happen? Yeah. Where's the furthest they've gone? And when did it happen? A lot of Googling going on right now. A lot of Googling going on. So uh, let's, let's, let's get the, uh, the panel back and uh, have a quick chinwag and, and see where we're, where we're going with this. So, you know, your thoughts. Let's, let's start with you, Christian, because we've, we've heard enough from Ryan. Your, your, your overall feeling, Christian, of, of where where the game is heading and how we can certainly take charge. Well, I, I, I think one of the things that we're seeing is that soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, is, is finally trying to reach the national stage. And we finally come to a realization that we can't compete on the national stage the way that we want to. And it is it is becoming a game in America that, that people are – that they're attracted to, they like to go to it, but at the end of the day, we also want to be competitive. And so I think it's opening up the doors. At this point, the highest level for us to play has been the college level, but is the college level enough? It's not like, it's not like basketball. It's not like football. We understand that at the college level, football and basketball are really preparing those guys for the next step in the pros, especially the, you know, when you talk about the big five conferences. And that's still not happening at the at the soccer level because we're not geared to train our players the way that they need to be trained to, to be able to compete in that level. And I think that's what we're talking about pre-CDA is now allowing that opportunity to step into that, that stage at a higher level because you're going to get the proper development that you needed. And so that's the exciting piece about this. I think the other exciting piece about it is just the fact that we're looking at the entire aspect of what that athlete needs. We're not just talking about technically and tactically. We're bringing about in the new technology that's happening. How can we leverage that new technology that's happening? We're also going to be bringing in what, again, we're talking about the sports psychology and having a mindset and developing the essential leadership skills that players are going to need. We're going to talk about improving their communication skills that are going to make them the player that can play at the next level. And again, those are the things that at the highest level coaches are looking for. When you start talking to coaches what they're looking for, it's not just what they can do on the field, but it's what they bring and what they're doing when they're off the field and what's happening in terms of what they're thinking about and how they're processing information. And so that I think is what's exciting about this is that we're now at a point that we can actually grow the player 
and develop the player in an environment that need to be de developed in. So let me go to you, Pete. Obviously, America's a massive country. You know, we, we've, we've got uh, Georgia, we've got Arizona, we've got Iowa. Will will the will the the because the, the the play is so different from around the country? You know, will it translate into each of the regions? You know, I, I believe it will actually. And you know, the, I I don't know who said it, but it was a long time ago. It might have been when the the U.S. qualified for whatever round. Hopefully, someone can find out. But um, familiarity breeds contempt at times, right? And I, we understand that players that have been a part of a club system or been a part of a certain system for a long time, coaches and everyone gets to know that player to a certain degree and a certain level where now it does, I don't think for me personally, it matters where they come from because it's a fresh start for them. Sometimes players need a clean slate to go and improve themselves in. Um, and they know they have the opportunity. They know that they can go in there and start out new maybe redesign themselves, recreate themselves a little bit as a player, and they might jump into a position that they hadn't played before. I think the one thing that we all know and that we all share is our love for the game and the diversity of it. I mean, we can be dropped anywhere around the world and within minutes make friends because we all love the beautiful game, right? So I think the challenge that we are being posed with is not so much where the players are coming from in their backgrounds. It's more about can we get them up to speed in our environment as quickly as possible? So that way we know when they're coming out, they're pre prepared, they're positioned to exactly where they need to be. I personally just went through this, exactly what the coaches were talking about the last two, two and a half years in Denver with FC Denver. I started at U19s and then we moved it to a U23s and then I was the first team um, coach. And the conversations we were having with the younger boys that were either getting ready to go into college, weren't sure yet, got pushed back because of COVID, weren't going to play their fall seasons was you get to come in and play with us and play with men. You get to come in, you get to train as men. You get to learn exactly what the men's game is all about. Again, like I mentioned before, with the schedules that we're creating and what those matches and friendlies are going to look like, competitively speaking, for these boys that now are going to become men through that process, um, I'm looking forward to bringing them in from wherever we can get them. I'm looking forward to getting them into our environment because we all know once we can get that product produced, it's just going to be a matter of time before the tipping point keep, kicks in and people are going to start calling it. So I'm super excited. And I can't wait to get started. Robbie, I'm going to go to you. What do you think the biggest challenge is going to be and how are you going to overcome that? Great. Good question. Um, I think, honestly, the, the biggest challenge, for, I think, for every every program, I hadn't covered it, was, is, is going to be COVID, just to get that, you know, get the repetition, keep the COVID, uh, keep the uh, cohorts going, the training cohorts going and, and that kind of stuff. It's, it's going to be hard to control, especially with, with, with younger lads, uh, you know, here in, in the Iowa's program, they're going to be in uh, dormitories. It's They're going to have temptations that they're going to have to resist. Um, you know, if they break our, our COVID protocols, then we're going to have some issues where we need to, you know, uh, maybe the player doesn't get... Uh, you know, doesn't get COVID, but he's had an exposure, we're going to have to quarantine him for the sake of the squad. So, you know, I think that's the big thing that we're going to come up against. And that's basically how we're going to have to do it. It's going to come down to discipline at the end of the day. Well, let, let me segue then to Hank, because obviously Hank is our, our COVID expert. You know, we, we talk about the, the discipline that the players are going to need. Um, what, what, kind of, what kind of, you know, I mean, you, you had to say, punishments but you know how how can we really keep a keep on top of these players in this in this covid era while still letting them be you know young men or young women i would take a page again from what steve richards said talk about as an apprenticeship saying guys you're this is professional development whether you're going to be a pro in soccer a pro in something else so i i think we're going to start from that place when they walk in to our training environments it's going to feel like that environment. And I go to a buddy of mine um, who played in Germany, he was a goalie, and he showed up one day, sorry, he called him one day and said, hey, I'm not coming to training, I'm sick. And the German, you know, the head of football operations said, well, why are you sick? He said, well, I don't know, I'm sick. And their point was, you should be able to manage that. So the idea is not so much punishment, but it's, we're gonna be talking to you about all the habits, you know, so we're not gonna just gonna say, hey, you deal with this with COVID or stay in shape for the season. We're going to talk to you about how your wellness practices work for life. So how that works into discipline will be, you know, hey, these things that you do will get you more. If you're not doing these things, it's not so much a punishment as much as it is 
you're just not going to have those opportunities. So if it's a COVID thing, hey, it's as simple as this. You don't follow COVID protocol, you're not with a group of people. Um, if it's about reps, yes, you're a very stylish player who loves to ping a ball off your right lace, off your right peg. But if you're not working on how you set up that shot and that's all you're not doing, you're limiting your chances. So I think we're going to be trying to talk about habits and ways of being that help that. And I guess I would speak also to that, just talking about those contact hours. Um, this speaks to the coaching education piece. I've coached all three divisions. Um, I coached at Air Force where Kevin Doyle was, where they don't have a lot of time to develop players. But one of the big things I think we would look at, what I like about this trimester system is we're saying at every step, guys, we're now going to work in a four-back system. You need to pay attention to this. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're the nine or whether you're the goalie. You need to learn the system to know because if you're the goalie, well, what do we do when we're throwing to the high, high channel? If you're a holding midfielder, how do you learn that system? So at each step, if we're in a game, as Ryan was talking about, and we're losing, uh, playing with a 4-4-2, the point will be to talk to that kid and say, have you learned what we were talking about these three weeks? We're now going to be distributing differently. Do you know how to do this? And then the outcomes for that, it's not so much punishment, but it's now when I talk to a kid as a college coach and they say they played as a holder, I'm going to ask certain questions. How much knowledge do you have about this system? As opposed to him just saying, I ping a nice ball. So to me, the punishment isn't so much what we do to the player. It's, hey, if you don't learn this down the line, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's the way I, I choose to think of it. Um, and my mom used to say, you don't have to do your homework, but you don't have to pass. So that's how I look yeah. at it. Um, so we're hoping our guys develop in that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you bring up a great point I, I want to throw to Steve. You know, Hank talks about habits, right? And and I think habits is something that, you know, is ingrained in us when we when, when we come from England. What what, is, what does habits mean to you, Steve? Is he there? Is his mic frozen? He's frozen. Oh, no. Steve's frozen. What are we going to do? Well, I thought I was the only frozen one here out of Minnesota. He's in Georgia. Oh, no, he's moving. Oh. Can you hear us, Steve? Is your mic working? No, he's not. I tell you what, Ryan, wrap it up yeah. and then we'll get to the yes, quiz. I can hear you. Steve? I think he's having some. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll mute uh, him. Right? A hamster that's providing electricity in his house must yeah. be. Uh, Let me. Right. I'll, 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 I'll wrap it up with just a couple of things, Nick. I appreciate you uh, you've been here with us. Just on the COVID policy, because it is the 800 pounds right now in, in, in the world of athletics, right? We're all from different states. Iowa, Georgia, and Arizona all have different mitigation strategies. With the pre-college DA, we, our mitigation strategies will be from the moment the athletes arrive. If we're not in a position this fall to play and train and socialize freely, which I struggle to see that right now. I see us in a better place, Nick. I really do. What that looks like, nobody knows. We can't sit here and tell you it's going to be it's it's going to disappear. So the mitigation strategies that we we will have in place from the moment the athletes arrive is a two week bubble that the, the the student athletes will be housed in. Depends on the location. In Iowa, we're in college dorms, and we're hopeful of having a floor within the college dormitory system with the likes of Georgia. And Phoenix, the athletes will be housed in bubbles of six. If we have to have a, a COVID mitigation strategy, those bubbles, there will be roommates, there will be students, there will be athletes. And we are ready and willing and prepared to train in small bubbles until we, until we get out of this. So we have the COVID mitigation strategies in place, right? Um, what Hank was talking about, just to, just to wrap up, the value of the pre-college DA. Again, this is not to replace the, the, the college soccer scene. This is to this is to help to complement it, like I said earlier. We we have a system, Nick, where we're trying to you look at the old recently disbanded development academy, right? Great in, in concept, fantastic in concept. We're trying to create national team players, right? Follow we're trying to create national team players out of a youth system. Should we not try and create pros first, get professional experience, and then create national team players? 
that's the natural progression of, of a professional athlete, right? This program is not designed to develop professional players. It, it really isn't. This program is designed to players for players and student athletes to get them to their next level, whatever your level is. We have seven guys on this on this phone call on this on this meeting. We could be seven different student athletes with seven different pathways. My pathway might be pro. My pathway might be England or Europe. My pathway might be the United States. Through our engineered approach, the ATTPS approach, it is designed to get you to that next level and improving it with the six years of eligibility. And that's important to come out of this, 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 this call. Six years of eligibility. That has never been done before. And we're ready and able to partner with colleges, with clubs, with academies, with professional clubs to take these athletes that are not ready for the next level, house them, develop them, and then move them on. Do you. I love it. Um, well, we're going to wrap this up. We, we've, we've got some quiz winners. Uh, Christian, can you help me out here? You, who, who were the three winners of the uh, $200 Capelli uh, coaches pack? I, I actually don't have the winners, Nick, because I got to go through everything, but we will reach out to them through Facebook. Once we confirm um, those winners, we'll get hold of them through Facebook. Outstanding. Well, thanks, everyone. Ryan Hodgson, the CEO. Robbie Carroll, Steve Richards, Pete Bunting, Christian DeVries, Hank Lewis, and, of course, our special guests, Oliver Twelve Trees and Aaron Champagne. And, of course, our sponsors, Capelli. I'm Nick Webster, and we'll see you at the PCDA.